Surprise! Here's a much-needed bonus episode of NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness. My name is Heather Timmis. I'm the clinical director at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center, as well as a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Houston, Texas. We've got a few more surprises in season three, which launches in the spring of 2023. But for now, let's dive into today's episode. Traveling can be challenging for children and adults with autism. Changes in routine, crowds, new sights, and sounds can make experiences difficult for people on the spectrum and their families. We hope this episode with Darn Barclay, author of Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse will encourage more travel opportunities for you and your family. Don Barclay is an award-winning author who has spent a career working in different aspects of the travel industry. After spending several years in sales and marketing, she branched out into travel trade reporting with senior or contributing editor positions at Travel Agent Magazine, Travel Life, Travel Market Report, and most recently, Insider Travel Report. She is a mother of two and resides in New York's scenic Hudson Valley. So welcome, Don. Let's just start by telling our listeners about you. So you have extensive travel experience and you're also an author. How did those two worlds collide? Uh, well, thank you for asking me. Uh, thank you for asking me to be here. And thanks for asking the question. I, I grew up in a travel family. So my parents were travel entrepreneurs and they owned a big travel agency in Manhattan and uh, a couple of satellite offices. So I worked for them when I was in college, at, you know, 16, 17, all the way through, I worked in sales and marketing. And then I also branched off and wrote for travel trade publications, such as, uh, well, currently I'm at Insider Travel Report, but I wrote for four major travel publications. So there was writing right there. Mm -hmm. I was more of a business writer than a travel writer, but I would teach travel agents how to do their business better. A lot of how-to articles and profiles and things like that, which set me up really well for the book I've written now. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. And in there somewhere, I managed to write seven fiction books. <laughs> so you like to stay busy is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I'm insane about that. I'm not very good during a pandemic with nothing to do. <laughs> Well, speaking about your book, can you tell us a little bit more about it? So it's called Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. So what inspired you to write it, and how was that process? Well, as I said, I grew up in a travel family. I was always traveling. So when children came along, I didn't really think that it was going to have to change. And unfortunately, my two children were not the best travelers. They were definitely anxious and inflexible. They were not good with transitions. They were not good with various sensory issues. Mm -hmm. And I went to look for a book because I believe there should be a book for everything. Yes. And there, there was not. So I started interviewing different people. I interviewed Dr. Tony Atwood, who's very large in autism circles. I interviewed Dr. Ellen Littman, who's very large in ADHD circles. And then I kind of hit a stumbling block because I didn't know where else to go. In the early 2000s, the internet wasn't what it is now, and I wasn't quite sure how to conduct the rest of my research. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until a group called, uh, well, I discovered that a group called IBCCES had created a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional that I knew how to write the book because 
those people have had extensive um, training and how to work with people on the spectrum. Many of them are mm -hmm. special needs parents themselves. They uh, were very generous with their time and information. They introduced me to their clients who were obviously also special needs parents. Right. And a lot more on the internet in 2019 than in the early 2000s and a pandemic where I had nothing to do for two years. Let me write the book. That's fantastic. And it's so needed because there's so many families that, like you, would like to travel but are finding it kind of challenging or hard. So this is that resource that they've been looking for. That's fantastic. Yeah. Actually, IBCCES created a survey a few years back, which interviewed a thousand special needs parents. And of those, 87% said they don't travel. They just won't. But of those 93% said they would if they knew where to go and what to do. So another really good reason to create the book. Wow. So what are some of those challenges that those families are encountering that kind of prevent them from wanting to travel? Well, a couple of things. First of all, with travel, you never know unless you really prepare intensely, which is what the book's about, the strategies for how to prepare and how to be ready to do this, the sensory issues and triggers are all over. You don't know where you're going to encounter your sounds, smells, sights that are going to be triggering. Most of the parents reported that what kept them from traveling was the fear of being judged if their child went into a sensory meltdown. They were scared of being judged as bad parents or their children were going to be mislabeled as brats and they just didn't want to deal with it. They also didn't know where to go where people were autism friendly and trained to work with people on the spectrum. And of course, they were not aware that there are so many venues now that are certified as autism friendly or autism certified that they can go. They didn't know that there were certified autism travel professionals that could create those trips for them. Right. So one of the things I'm trying to do is get that word out. That's great. Because, again, I, I think that's something that's not advertised as widely, and yet it's so needed. And even for families that, like you said, have children that are just inflexible and need some accommodations, even that is important to be able to have those resources. Yeah. What I found was in, in writing the book that the special needs travel tips really work for any family because every child craves routine and predictability. And mm -hmm. nothing is more jarring and pulls you out of your comfort zone faster than travel. Yes. So it's completely outside your comfort zone in a new location with new stimuli all around you. Yeah. Yeah. So the book works for every family. Mm -hmm. So kind of going back to holidays coming up, travel obviously is very needed and wanted during these holiday times. How early do families need to start planning for that? And what are some of the things they consider they should consider when they're thinking about where to go? Yeah, absolutely. Before you're even going to consider where to go, you have to introduce the child to the concept of travel. Now you've got babies who haven't been anywhere yet. You've got mm -hmm. children that may have traveled a couple of years back, but with the pandemic, they weren't going anywhere and they may have forgotten what it, we made, they made travel when they were two or three, and now they're six, but they haven't traveled in the last couple of years because of COVID. So introducing the concept of travel can be many things. You can 
show them picture books, read them picture books with their favorite characters in travel situations. So that makes mm -hmm. it a little bit easier for them to identify. You can role play. You can use social stories. And I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Carol Gray's social stories, but they're narratives from the child's point of view that deal with various elements that may come up in the trip. Mm -hmm. They can look at videos. And now, thanks to technology, there's videos for every aspect of travel, either on YouTube or provided by the supplier. Mm -hmm. And I think I said role play and mini experiences. So before you go to an expensive hotel for a week, maybe stay at a friend or relative's house for one night for free. See where the triggers come up with your child who's suddenly in a bedroom other than their own, whether it is uh, the fact that they need the blankets and sheets from home with the familiar texture and scent or mm -hmm. toiletries that they're used to from home, or, or they need a nightlight or a fan to drown out the sound from the hallway. All those are really nice things to figure out before you travel. Yeah, that makes total sense. And using those things in your hometown or around you that you can access builds that exposure a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You can go to a zoo, you can go to an aquarium, you can go to a museum or even a garage sale, just label it as a tour. So you create a positive frame of reference. So later when you take a real tour, you can refer back. So that's how you're going to maybe introduce the concept of travel. Then you're going to want to pick out some destinations, hopefully with the help of your certified autism travel professional. Mm -hmm. And I'm not on their payroll. I just really <laughs> believe that it's great to have this you know, help from somebody who's really trained. Likewise, there are locations in the book. You can go to autismtravel.com. But what my book does is take the certified autism centers that are at autismtravel.com and couple them with uh, locations that are certified by other groups as well. So it's a more comprehensive list. But then maybe pick two or three places that might work and then get the child's buy-in. So you've already vetted all the places. So you know, there's no wrong answer. Present two or three to the child and say, which would you like to go on? Because mm -hmm. when you get your child's buy-in, they have a vested interest in the success of the trip. And you've also given them some control and having some control reduces the anxiety and the unpredictability of the travel. Absolutely. That's a great point. So how do parents determine if they need a certified autism travel professional and if their services are affordable, if they're able to do that? Where do they go? Honestly, most times when you work with a travel agent, there's no additional cost. They get a commission from whatever location they book. So they're, they're, they, they know which places to go to that will work for you. They can uh, pick something based on your particular budget and your child's needs. The ones that I profile in the book really go to the extra step of getting to know you and your child so they know mm -hmm. uh, what questions to ask and how to couple you with the right destination. And how do you know if you need one? They work with neurotypical kids too. It can't hurt. Yeah, it you makes know, How can sense. you go wrong? You might as well get some because there are going to be some families that have one of each. Yeah. Or more than one of each. Yes. And, you know, they they will know how to couple what location you need for both your neurotypical and your neurodiverse child. I love that. Getting everybody in the family comfortable and ready to go. Yeah. So then kind of turning towards packing to try to make everything a little more predictable and have those resources available. What are some of those vital must-haves on that packing list for families? 
You know, what's interesting uh, when I spoke to people is, first of all, have your child pick out what they want to bring and maybe don't wash the clothing. I know this is going to drive some people crazy. What do you mean? I'm going to go on a trip with dirty clothes. Not necessarily dirty, but consider that they have the smell, familiar smell of home. Mm. And the the kids don't go out and buy a bunch of new clothes where now suddenly you're going to have the problem with the textures not being something your child is used to. The tag is a tag. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You don't want to create additional problems. One travel planner recommended, uh, which I thought was a brilliant idea, if you're going to a location that's different climate than what you're used to, for example, mm-hmm. if you're suddenly going from Florida and you're going to Alaska, maybe you want to practice wearing layered clothing, which mm, is something a, a child may have never done before. Yeah. So that I thought was brilliant. Also, some of the things you might want to do is if you're going from Alaska to Florida uh-huh. and your child is not used to sand, maybe you go to a local craft store and buy some sand and put it on a tarp in your you know, living room in your backyard or whatever and have them sample walking on it so it's not a sensation that's new to them when they travel. But I think what you were getting at is more the go-to bag yeah. and what you should bring with you. And yeah, I had a I talk about the go-to bag in almost every chapter because I feel that people aren't reading this book from start to finish. They're just going to pick what type of mode of transportation they're taking and they're going to read that right so it is a combination of what your child's going to need and you know your child better than anyone but you're also always going to bring noise canceling headphones everybody recommended that no matter what mm-hmm. you're always going to bring some sort of electronics loaded with their favorite television and shows and movies so there's distraction now whether you bring crayons or an etch-a-sketch or whatever else your child is loves and is used to that's up to you also, maybe little surprise gifts in wrapped gifts that you could hand out, especially if there's a delay in travel, something that maybe the kid knows is going to happen mm-hmm. if there's a delay. So you've already previewed the fact that there could be a delay in what's going to happen if there is one. So it's creating that positive present. association. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So these are also bring foods that maybe aren't messy, like animal crackers you know you don't want to bring like pudding (laughs) (laughs) i don't know some of those applesauce packets can be really helpful yeah and uh fidget toys and whatever's going to work but every chapter includes a a full list of what you might bring also a change of clothing both for you and the child makes Uh, sense i i am someone who's been vomited on at takeoff (laughs) (laughs) but it was too late to change uh-huh. I had to sit for four hours uh, with a sweater over my silk blouse. <laughs> not so, good. <laughs> I had nothing to change into in the in the ladies' room. So not a bad idea to bring along changes of clothes. Well, and right now with all the delays and the bags getting lost and things like that yeah. with what's going yeah. on, honestly, it's good advice for everyone to have that extra change of clothes in their carry-on. Yeah. I would bring a, a little miniature fan to a battery powered fan. Now that's not in the book, but I'm just thinking there was some story about families that were stuck on the tarmac for hours at a hot plane. Maybe you bring along a fan, you bring along some extra batteries. The batteries aren't a bad thing to bring along anyway to recharge your electronics right. and a charger. Yes. You don't want to forget that because if that's the yeah. go-to to help calm down and then you yeah. aren't able to charge it. That could be a problem. Also, sunglasses, especially Mm. if you go to an amusement park at night where the bright lights might be uh, a cause of a trigger. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And 
Are there any stories that you would like to share about families that you've interviewed who have had kind of a healthy experience and how that success made them feel? You know, I have a lot of stories about where parents had issues and they learned from them. And ultimately, they were really successful. Mm-hmm. One one story that I, I use as an example for planning ahead and planning for contingencies, Nicole Thibault, who is with Magic Storybook Travel in New York, Fairport, New York, she mm-hmm. has a story that she's written about where they were going to, they were on a trip where they were going to cross a suspension bridge, and she wasn't quite sure if her son was going to be able to handle that. Right. So what she did was she spoke to the tour guide. And they created a contingency plan that there would be a golf cart waiting on one side so that if he found that he was freaking out, the child could go in the golf cart, travel the long way around, meet up with his parents, and they would go from there. So they did have the contingency plan. In the end, they didn't need it. Wow. Everything worked out fine, but I thought it was really brilliant to have that plan. I mean, there are parents who have learned you don't go to Disney at 9 a.m. and expect ice cream. Or you're right. and if you do, your child's going to have a meltdown. And what they did were they called their certified autism travel professional and she guided them to a quieter place in the park where the child could decompress. Or one mother who's worked out that, you know, there's not always a bathtub in your hotel room. Right. So what you what she does now is she brings a blow up pool and she oh, puts so it smart. in the shower so that they always have it. And she's learned that she always wants a hotel room with a balcony because that's a way for her and her husband to spend time quietly while the children are trying to get to sleep. One of the things Tony Atwood suggested that I thought was brilliant is not every parent can afford a vacation rental or uh, a suite. Maybe you've got four people in a, in a double room. And if the child needs a place to decompress, he suggests bringing the linen to the closet and maybe giving, I mean, I wouldn't shut the closet, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but, um, a place that the child can have as their own. So so ideas like that. Yeah. And as you mentioned, thinking about for the parents to have that time to themselves, to be able to decompress, to be able to handle everything that's coming their way. What are some tips on that side for the parents to think about for themselves? You know, if you can afford it, I would recommend a either an all-inclusive resort that's been a certified autism center like Beaches mm-hmm. or a cruise, RCCL, Royal Caribbean, and all the major cruise lines have been trained in how to work with children on the spectrum. And their mm-hmm. kids club is designed specifically for both neurotypical and neurodiverse. And that way, there's enough diversity on the ship or at the resort that everybody can do what they want and everybody Mm -hmm. can have some time to themselves. I also recommend sports vacations with individual sports like skiing, scuba, horseback riding at a dude ranch, Mm -hmm. because then the child is not having to deal with a team golf as well, not having to deal with a team sport. They can just be practicing to perfect their own swing or, you know, dive or whatever. But there's enough going on that everybody in the family can do the same thing. I like that. So you're getting the same experience as a group, but you have the individual time to really center yourself. Yes. Very nice. And so what other tools can be found in your book that will hopefully empower parents who might be avoiding traveling? 
Well, I break the, the book up into different modes of transportation. So you don't have to go to a resort. You may just want to go camping. You know, so there can be inexpensive. You might want to take a train vacation or mm-hmm. about, you know, I, I'm a bus, a car ride. I think car vacations are really important and inexpensive. How to go to a vacation rental and how to vet a vacation rental, how to vet a campground. Mm-hmm. So those tools I think are important. How to decide where you're going to go, where you're going to stay. And my, my favorite aspect of the book is I know that children on the spectrum tend to have passions and intense interests that they love to talk about and study. Definitely. So I believe in creating a child-centric vacation. So that is pacing to the child's pace, not yours. Mm-hmm. You don't cram five or six things into a day, maybe one or two and spend the afternoon at the pool or in front of the TV. Sorry, I know you spent a lot on your vacation. Maybe it's not the vacation you were planning, but it's the vacation your child's going to remember is going to be happy and that's going to make you happy. <laughs> Right. But also, if your child has one of these, though, whether it's insects or dinosaurs or rocks, whatever it is, building the vacation to include visits to museums that deal with that interest, because that's something they're always going to remember. And in the book, I list as many of these interests as I was given by the parents that I spoke to, and I divide them up by state. So Mm -hmm. there might be one in your backyard or very close by and or wherever you're going, there might be something that'll interest your child and make the more mundane parts of the trip easier to handle because they have something to look forward to. Yeah. And I would think that if they get more comfortable traveling, doing something that they really care about, there may be some more flexibility in the future to do something that you were wanting to do as the parent that maybe now you have more buy-in. Yes, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nice. So everyone's go to booksellers, Amazon, but is there a better place to find your book for those of us wanting to support small business instead? Yeah. If you go to travelingdifferent.com, which is the blog that supplements and updates the book, I have an order page, which will take you, there are links to Barnes and Noble. There are links to IndieBound. There are links to wherever you'll find it at every independent bookstore on their online bookstore, not necessarily on their shelves. You can Mm -hmm. go to Roman and Littlefield, who are the publishers. What I would also suggest, and I really implore people to do this, is go to your library and ask them to get a copy. The book actually just got a starred review from Library Journal, which I'm very proud of. Congratulations. Thank you. But I feel like if people can't afford the book, it would be really nice to have it available as a resource in the library. Yes, and we actually have a little lending library here at NFCC, so we're glad to have this book as that resource for counselors and clients because we have a lot of clients that are on the spectrum and also just struggle with anxiety, depression, that inflexibility. So I think that would be a great resource here too. Great, and it's also going to be available as an ebook and as an audiobook. So you can get it in three different versions. It'll be out on August fifteenth, and if you find that you encounter something in the book that either you disagree with or you found a different, better way of handling something, write to me. My email's in the book. I would mm-hmm. love to hear it. I, I, you may end up in the blog. You may end up in a future version of the book, a mm-hmm. future edition, or if I've just opened up the world to you in some way, I'd love to hear it because it would make me feel good. Yeah, that's what you're doing this for is being able to open up that travel world to all these families. So I can yes. imagine hearing that would be really rewarding. Yes, very much so. Yeah. One last question. So, you know, obviously we're focusing on families that have neurodiverse children. 
Are there anything for other families that have neurotypical children to be on the lookout for if they're in a situation where they see one of those children melting down or they're seeing a family struggling? Is there anything that they can do to help or support in any way? I would just leave them be. Mm -hmm. I've actually just done a piece on what parents wish that you knew about their children. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to smile and just give a nod that you understand, that's fine. But I wouldn't get involved because their number one aspect of what they have to concentrate on is their child and helping the child decompress. The last thing they want to do is worry that other people are judging them Mm -hmm. or that they interfered with you and your travel in any way. You're just feeding into their anxiety. So Mm -hmm. give them a wide berth. And if they do look at you, just nod, give a smile, say, I get it. Mm-hmm. and leave them be. Yes. Thank you so much for saying that. I think it's really helpful to know because so many families are like, I get it. I understand the struggle and they want to help, but interfering kind of disrupts everything that that parent is trying to do in the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing this book with us. I think this is such a great resource for so many of our families. Is there anything else that you would like to let everyone know about your website or your book or anything else that we've talked about? Again, that's travelingdifferent.com. Please come and visit me. The one thing I'd say is if I have a a location, because about 15, 20% of the book are destinations and locations that have been either certified as autism friendly or certified autism centers. Just don't take that as gospel because certifications change, locations change, phone numbers change, hours change. Check on, do your due diligence and be sure to contact those places before you go. Make sure of how they got their designation, what it means, what they offer. Is it right for your child since every child is different? And make sure that what they do offer is going to be offered when you travel because there are museums that have low sensory afternoons once a month and it might not be the day that you're there right so do your due diligence great thank you so much don we appreciate you so much thank you so much thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us reach more listeners please share it with someone you know post about it on social media and leave a rating or review. To see what's coming next, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Finn Council or visit our website at finnegancounseling.org. Before I go, I'd also like to thank the people who made this project possible. The amazing leadership team and supporters at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center in Houston, Texas, our podmasters at Three Wire Creative, our editor and production assistant, Giselle Dixon, and our wonderful experts who answered the call to be a guest on our show. Until next time.